Amen, church. Go ahead and have a seat. And as you do, tell these two people that they were created for a purpose. Just remind them. Say, you were created for a purpose. You were created for a purpose. Now, if someone were to ask you what that purpose was, I don't know if maybe anybody can answer, or a lot of people, but that's one of the reasons we're gathering here today. I am excited that you're here. My name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors at Meadows. And if this is your first time at Meadows Church, you are, we just want to say welcome home. We're so excited that you're here. And uh, we want to connect with you. So there are connect cards on the chair backs, green cards that say connect, don't figure. And we would love for you to fill it out, or you can scan the code on the back of the chair. Either way works. And uh, if you fill out the card or scan the code, let guest services know the green table right outside the doors, and we'll bless you with a gift just for being here today. We're so excited. You picked a great week to become a church. Pastor, you say that every week. Every weekend is a great weekend to come to church. So um, I, uh, I always want to remind us that we were created on purpose. And that, and that we exist as a church to lead you to that. First of all, to lead you to a man named Jesus, and he'll change your life. And once you meet him, he will guide you along with the help of the church and the people with it to your God-given purpose. I have to tell you something. God, God's timing is so crazy, and he'll work on weekends and weekdays and things that he just surprises me sometimes. Like, last weekend was just a regular, I thought, ordinary, not special Easter weekend or holiday weekend or something, just a, a weekend. God can do miracles on weekends and weekdays, and he did. Uh, the reason I say he did is because last Sunday, we had the most decisions for Christ we've ever had on one day. Six people gave their lives up. We I don't know. I, I, I just praise God for it. I don't people responding to the good news of Jesus. You'll have not do that today if you never have done that. And um it's just exciting what he's doing. I um I'll share with you a few things that are exciting that that, that you should applaud yourself over. Number one is You've adopted another school called Westmont Elementary, in addition to Chase Manley Hall. And Westmont, it's a close school, only a couple miles away from us. They uh, they don't mess around with their cards. They couldn't even find an envelope for this one. But this is a thank you card from Westmont Elementary to you. And yeah, yes, applaud yourself. That's awesome. This has over 40 faculty uh, members from the, from the school that are saying thank you. The, the card itself says, Thank you so much for your generosity to our school. We appreciate you. Uh, one gal wrote, Katie, she said, your caring and generosity makes us all feel like we're seen and valued. We appreciate you more than you know and all your kindness. Gratefully, Katie. The, the, what, 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 they're, what they're appreciative of is that you have blessed all their faculty with, with gift bags at one point, nice gift bags. We appreciate them and what they do for our children. And, and last week, you blessed all the kids that have low school balances or negative school balances. I've already heard stories of how shocked they were to come to school and find out their balances were all filled up by you. So, thank you. You see, that's the kind of impact that we want to make. Uh, a church, this is what I believe. And this is just for Meadows Church. I can't speak for all churches. But, man, if someone were to, like, snatch Meadows off the earth, would anybody notice? Would our community, would your community notice if metals just disappear tomorrow? 
man, that's convicting. I want our community to know that we're here and that we are for them and that we love them. Not just to get them to church, though I want them to know Christ more than anything in my life, but to love them where they are at. And that's what you're doing. See, that's what you invest in as well. People, I usually get chance with the pastor bringing money, you know, these people, oh, the church wants money. I'm like, I don't, I don't. When you use the past plate, you know what I tell people? Take money out of it. I don't care. If you need money, take it. Don't matter to me. There are a lot of people that give financially to medals, but I think one of the reasons we're healthy if we give that way is because we cast vision behind it. Like when you when you invest in to God through the church, you're investing in Westmont Elementary. You fill the accounts. You're giving, fill the accounts. You're giving value to teachers. You're giving help fund six people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. You're giving um, helps us multiply and plant churches. We planted Crossover Church in Bennington with Pastor Casey over a year ago. They're baptizing people today because you give and you believe for making people that we can't reach in the Papillion Belgium area. That's what you're that's what you're funding. So maybe you've never even taken that step. Maybe today you'll, you'll trust God to take a step. The amount doesn't matter, it's the heart. Or maybe you're not right, and that's okay too. I just would tell you, I would just thank you for the way that you give back to God through the church, whether it's the bases, um, online, Venmo, there a lot of ways. But um, and the other thing that you're funding is veterans. See, that's one of the pillars in our, our church. We realize really quickly after we move to this area. The military presence is unbelievable. And I, I for one, am so grateful. Just talking to a family out there before the service, and the gentleman was telling me he deploys in a month. Leaving for six months. His wife, his kids. This is where the church needs to stand in the gap and say, what can we do? How can we love you? How can we walk with you? Whatever it is. We have to be that church. So one of the ways we do that is like Victory Apartments is full of veterans. Many of them disabled and, and, and struggle in many ways. Um, we go there two or three times a summer. We grill up for them. You're buying food. You buy the burgers. You buy the hot dogs. You buy the so everything. You're fun. You're tidying off. That funds all that. And I want you to come and eat the food. Bring your family. Get fed. And also just hang out and meet veterans. Hear their story. That's what it's all about is relationships. You won't believe how many veterans live there that they have no family or no family that visits them just because, you know, you know life's busy. To hang out for a couple hours, and you only have to stay for two hours. It's only like 11.30 to 1.30 on the 6th, next Saturday. Would you come to Victory Apartments? The, the big smokestack, that's where you want to go because it's a, a bigger campus. But look for the huge uh, bricks of smokehouse and go to the first smokestack and go to that area. You'll find all of us. And we'll be eating, and you can bring your family. We'll have tons of food. Feed your family, feed your neighbors. I don't care, but meet a veteran. That's all I ask, is that you don't just come and eat, hang out with people that you already know. That's not the goal. The goal is to meet somebody you don't know, just like it is on church and any channels. I mean, that's how we reach more people in this church, is by you keep inviting and loving and preaching. We want to, I want to hear a veteran's story. I want to, I want to know what they've gone through, what they've seen. And it values them to be able to share that. So I love Victory Apartments. And you will, if, you will, if you've never experienced it, you have to do that because you'll love it too. And you'll want to come back the next time you do it. So a lot of exciting things happening. All right. The one for one. You heard uh, Carissa talk about the one for one. If you're new, we just bring dollars every week. We, we, we put them in one of these bins. And then at the end of the month, we add it all up. Many times it's over a grand. And then we write on a check and give it to you. 
Like you nominate people that are struggling or maybe going through a hard time, and uh, if they're if they're selected, we give you the check and you give it to them. That's it. And the stories that come out of that are absolutely supernatural. But I mean, you need to know something. And don't probably don't nominate today. Wait till tomorrow. Okay? We've had more nominations this April than we've ever had in any month. So that's and if you nominate, you're like, oh great, I've got to compete with all these. Well, the good news is our church is so crazy. Uh, the Gallus kind of oversees the nominating committee. As they start rolling in by the, you know, halfway through the month, I'm like, I said, we, I, I emailed her, I said, we really got to pray that, that someone just is going to say, hey, I'll match it, because we've had people do that. So we, we, we say that, we pray, someone matches it. So now we have two to give for April, and then, and then work it, yeah, great God, yeah. And then we have, and then we have more that keep coming in, and I said, we got to keep praying. This last week, somebody else reaches out. We'd like to match two. Three people! We've never had that before. So, we'll be celebrating three one-to-one -one stories uh, next month. I think that probably got me on your heart. Man, there's needs out there. And Jesus is the only one who can make them. He meets them through you and through me because we're representing you to this world. It's creepy. As scary as that is, that's that's who you're all Lord Jesus. All right, enough of that. Let me pray for you. Father, I don't know what people who are here today or people watching watching online have going on in their families. I know if, there's, if there are families like mine, they, they might have even had a fight coming to church. <laughs> Isn't that godly? We're, we're battling with our family as we drive to church, but I've been there more than once. And maybe someone's there and there's a, a crisis or a tension in family. Or there's a crisis or tension at work or in a marriage. God, this is real stuff. We, we don't want to be fake. I don't want to come to church to get all dressed up and pretend like I got my life together. I don't have it together. We desperately need you to show up today. God, change us, please. Change our hearts. Whatever needs to change in us, you do your thing. We don't want to come to check church off the list. We want to come to leave different than when we came, Father. So in the name of Jesus, I am, you, there is an open invitation here, God, for you to bring your word forth and have your way with us. Because our way doesn't really work. But your way always works. So why would we not surrender to that? Today, for this little sliver of time we have on April 30th, 2023, God, that we would allow you to work and move in a way that only you can. You've got permission. You've got authority. Have your way, God. We love you. We thank you. And church, if you're new, we, what we normally do now is we pray the Lord's Prayer together. I like to, I, I grew up praying it. I don't know if you did or not. I grew up Catholic, uh, but it's not just a Catholic thing or a Lutheran thing. The Lord's Prayer is a biblical thing. It's, in, it's how Jesus taught people to pray as a template. You don't have to say those exact words, but Jesus is giving us a model. And I love it. And I love praying as a family because that's one of our core values. So would you join me just praying this nice and loud to the Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, Father, forever and ever. Amen. I'm the youngest growing up. I'm the youngest of six kids. 
One brother, four sisters. Anybody else with me? Anybody else youngest in your family of siblings? Got to be a few of you. Yeah, yeah. See, and you know what people will tell us? Like, oh, you're spoiled. We're not. We'll tell you we're not spoiled. Now, are we the best looking? Yes. I mean, uh, does God love us the most? Yes. I mean, are we the smartest? Yes, but we're not spoiled. So, I have four sisters, one brother. My brother's five years older than I am. So, he was like my role model. My father died at a very young age, and so I really looked to my brother. So, my brother was in baseball, so when I was old enough, I got in baseball. My brother wrestled in grade school and high school, so when I was in grade school, I started wrestling. And I would follow him around, and I'd want to be like him, and I, I, I'd want to be him. In fact, as we got older, I would impersonate him. Like, I, would, I took his ID, and I'd go to these establishments called bars, and I'd be like, hey, I'm him. And it, it worked really well until it didn't, okay? I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. The voucher looked at it, and he's like, and he goes, how about this? He goes, how about I call the police, and when they get here, they'll verify, and if this is, if this is you, then you're okay. Uh, or plan B is I keep this ID, and then you get out of here. I was like, see ya. I mean, I was gone before he's even done talking. But anyway, I wanted to be my brother. It leads me to the point of today starting a new series in the book of James. James, the James we're talking about, is it James the disciple or the other James that was one of the 12 disciples? This is James. The younger brother of Jesus. That's who wrote this book. And you, later you'll see how crazy that is. But but can you, first of all, can you imagine the pressure of being Jesus' little brother? I mean, you mess up at all, you know Mary, your mom is going to be like, why can't you be more like Jesus? You know? I mean, yeah, she's, she's out buying you bracelets. WWYBB. What would your brother do? You know? You got to wear that around. And he, he, he's, he's not Jesus. He's just James. Not James Christ, just James. You know, but following Jesus everywhere, wanting to be like his big brother. I bet he's followed him everywhere. There was probably one time that James almost drowned. Some of you, you'll get that driving home, or you will never get that. We don't know. See, there was a time when Jesus was in So, James was walking on water. And, and, okay, so, James, James wrote a book in the Bible, and the theme is faith in action. It brings a series to Meadows Church called Faith That Moves. Say it moves. It moves. It should if it's true faith. I, I, I don't say it lightly when I tell you that this message that you read today may be the most important message you ever hear. When it comes to you living the, 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 the plans and the purpose that God has for you. Because I'm going to give you the key. God's going to give you the key to the purpose. I'll tell you what the key is not. The key to your purpose is not how much you know, though it's good to know things. It's not how many degrees you have, though it's good to learn. It's not how much cash you have in the bank. It's not how many toys you have. It's not how many followers you have. It's none of those things. See, the key to living your purpose, everybody has equal access to it. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. Do you want to know what it is? You're going to have to wait a little bit longer because we're not there quite yet, but we're getting there. First, let me tell you who James is writing to. James is writing to an audience, specifically Jewish Christians. So, now this is a remnant. The, the, this group has been rejected by the Gentiles. A Gentile is just somebody that's not a Jew. It's most of us. Uh, they, so they're rejected by them, and they're also rejected by their own countrymen. Other Jews that 
are sold out to Jesus being the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So they're this rejected little remnant of men and women that believe Jesus is who he said he was. And but their life is a mess. And they're freaking out. And they're frightened. But yet in their frightened state, they still have hope. Why? Because they've seen Jesus alive. Because they've heard him speak. Because they know that Jesus has been risen from the dead. So even though it's a mess around them and in them, they're smack dab in the middle of the movement. And that in church, that's exactly where I believe we are. And, and, and by the way, isn't that what you want? Don't you want to see it? Don't you want to be in the middle of it to be a part of it? I don't want to be on the outside saying, oh my gosh, look at God move there. Oh, look at revival. I, mean, I want to be in it. And I'm telling you wholeheartedly, I gathered with leaders this week in Dallas, Texas, and we prayed to the Holy Spirit, and we're just asking the Holy Spirit to show us what God, what God wants us to do. Because we know there is a heavy presence happening, that God is on the cusp of wanting to do something. But I said, when I say do something in the church, I'm talking about you, in your life, in your family. This brings us to the key, which, by the way, James unveils in the first few verses. Let's see if you catch it. I'll read the first few verses of James, starting in the first verse. James says, this is a letter from me, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes. In other words, I'm writing to the Jewish believers who have been scattered abroad. Dear brothers and sisters, James says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So in the spirit of Elsa and Anna, let it grow. Okay, sorry. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You just heard the first four verses of the book of James. The key to your purpose was there. If you missed it, it's cool. I'm going to highlight it. It's in verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, say tested. That's right. You're going to go through some tests. Some of you, you're in them. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It may not seem that significant or prophetic. It's just true. The key to your purpose is your endurance. The key to your purpose is to keep going. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Keep going. Tell them. They need to hear that. Keep going. You've got to keep going. And you'll be amazed at how many people don't. It is, it is not what you know. It is not even who you know. I'm telling you. It's the fact that you know where you're headed and it's not leading you. That's key. But you have to keep going. Endurance. Let's put up the definition just so we're on the same page. The power of enduring. Well, that makes sense. An unpleasant or difficult process. Some of you, you're going through that, un that unpleasant and difficult process right now. Or situation without giving you just need to keep, Lou, you understand, you just need to keep going. You're going to face trials. What's God trying to teach you? You're going to, and some of those trials, they're going to leave scratches, and some are going to leave scars. Anybody got any scars? Any scars? Yeah. 
Other than the emotional ones that'll carry your day. I mean, physical start. I told you about one of mine, it was years ago probably, but in, in high school as a freshman, senior initiation used to be a real thing. Like, you know, you see movies where they throw in lockers. I mean, when I was in high school, I, and, and the teachers like celebrated it. They're like, who are you gonna kill today? I mean, I'm like, what? It was just, you were yeah, physical, emotional, it was unbelievable. So I still have four calls today, but whatever. So we got initiated by seniors, and I had it coming a lot of the time. Kind of a lippy kid, even though I weighed 90 pounds. So was the little ones. But I could run fast. And, and, and I needed to because uh, me and my buddy were walking a quarter mile to our homecoming uh, preparation. We were building a float. I don't know if they do that anymore. Not like a root beer float. Oh, that sounds awesome. But a, a float, like a big thing, whatever. So we're building this float, and we see here pull up behind us in their car. It's dark out. And, uh, and I recognize the car because I know that's the car I've lived, lived off to in the past. And they get out and they take off running after us. I never ran so fast in my life. And there's an advantage about having a guy with you who's slower than you are. And, and he was slower. There's advantages and there's disadvantages. He was slower. The bad news was because I was faster, I hit the barbed wire fence first. Yeah. I went careening off that thing. Didn't feel a thing in the moment. I was so, when you're over here, like in the state of shock and brightness, you don't feel anything. So I, I hit the barbed wire fence, fall back on the ground. My buddy sees that I'm almost down. He doesn't hit the fence. I get up and I keep going. I, I jump the fence or climb the fence. And, and we keep running like, like we're getting chased by the mafia. We run all the way to where the, our classmates are. We make it there. So we made it. Why? Because we kept going. And when we got there, it, there was some good and some bad. The bad was when I lifted my shirt, uh, there's blood everywhere and this huge gash. The good news is when, when the girls around saw that, they were like, oh my gosh, how can I help you? We should probably take your shirt off. I was like, yeah, we probably. It's very welcome. Okay, so, but, I, but, but, but the key is I kept going. I kept running. And some of you, I don't know who these things are, just somebody does. You need to keep going in your marriage. You need to keep going in your family. You need to keep going in that ministry that God has put before you. You need to keep going in the business. You need to keep going in the struggle. Because if you keep going, guess what? God will bless it. Do you know that? God will bless your endurance. It says it right in the word. It said in chapter or in verse 3. Let me show you again in verse 12. Still in James 1. We'll be there all day. God blesses those who patiently endure. Patience isn't in action. It's actually perseverance. Who God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Look what's waiting for you if you don't give up. I don't even know what this means. And I, and my, my mind can't fathom it. I just know it's better than anything I can think, dream, or imagine. Afterward, you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them. I guarantee if God showed us what he's tangibly talking about there, you, you would run and keep going. You would, you would seek him with all of your heart. But, we, but he doesn't. And we live by faith knowing well, that's amazing what he's talking about. So, so we keep going. We keep going. And here's what I know about you and about me and about my experience in general. You and I, we overestimate what God's going to do in the short term, don't we? Mike Smith and I were talking before this service um, about him this new creation sensing, and we're like, oh, you know, kind of thought we'd be farther along, and this and that, but you know what? 
It's, we, it's barely been going that long. See, we overestimate what God's going to do in the short term, but we vastly underestimate what God's going to do in the long term. See, the stories that it takes us a few minutes to read that are in God's word, they took years to unfold. I can read the story of Abraham and Isaac in 10 minutes. The promise to Abraham and Sarah to have Isaac as a son, you know how long it took to unfold? 25 years. And we read it, we're like, oh, I can't. God's not blessing me like he blessed Abraham. 25 years. Joseph, the brother that would live up to his brothers, that brother. We know that Joseph wasn't put in charge of the palace in Egypt. But what we forget to realize is that he spent 13 years going through some of the worst times of his life. It took you two minutes to read it. It took him 13 years to endure it. Even Jesus. Jesus didn't do any miracles until he was 30. Any recorded miracles that we know of. Until he was 30 years old. Oh, but what he accomplished in three years. You will overestimate the short term and underestimate the long term. It's why you can't give up in the moment. It's why you can't give up in the valley. It's why you can't give up. Especially if you're seeking the will of God, which is the goal. So, let's continue with a few more verses and unpack something. Because, because we read something in verse 12 that talked about testing and temptation. I think it's important to just hit it a little bit more in, in, in James thought it too, because he talks about it. So, James 1, verse 13. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say, God's tempting me. Mm -mm. God will never tempt you. James even says, God never tempted, God's never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation. Well, temptation comes from the flesh, from our evil desire, from the enemy, ultimately. Like you have an enemy. You keep reminding him. It's not your spouse, it's not your kid, it's not that person at work that you can't stand, you avoid, like at all costs. It is the devil. And he'll put desires in us. Even in Christ, we're going to have this, this, this battle that wages on. Watch last week's message. We talk about it. Our desires is where the temptation comes from. They entice us. We've all been enticed and drug away by them. You have and I have. They drag us away, and that's the goal. And what's the enemy's goal for you at the end of the day? Death. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you, your kids, your life, your family. He wants it all. Praise God. We've got, we've got a king and a victor. Somebody who's not just powerful. The enemy's powerful. Christ is all powerful. Big difference. So, these desires, it says it, give birth to sinful actions. What do they give birth to when they grow? Death. There's a way that seems right to a man, and the way is always death. That's why we can't follow our way. We must follow God's way. Testing. God will never tempt us, but he will allow us to be tested. And the test will, will many times revolve around things that are important to you. Remember how we talked about Abraham and Sarah getting Isaac as a son? They finally get blessed with Isaac, and what's God say? Um, I'm going to need you to sacrifice him. What? Oh, that's one test that I don't think anybody would ever even, can't even fathom. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Abraham how that morning went down. I pictured it in my head. Hey, Aunt Isaac! What do, you what do you say we get our steps in? Thinking about thinking about going on a hike, maybe Mount Moriah. Yeah, Dad, that sounds awesome. Yep, it's going to be great when we get to the top. We'll sacrifice, uh, complete the sacrifice to God. Oh, Dad, that's going to be great. What, what, 
we to sacrifice? The sheep? The one that keeps getting in the garden? Eh, no, not that, not that sheep. Oh, I know, Dad, the goat that ate your sandals. We're going to get him, aren't we? No, not the goat. What, what, what are we going to sacrifice, Dad? It's just, it'll be a surprise. Ooh, I love surprises. Well, he may not have for this. Anyway, so, I mean, how did that go down? You're talking about a test. How many of you are like tests? How many of you are like tests in, in school? You like tests? There's always at least two or three weird ones. No one, no one pulled you up. I get it. It's a, yeah, because uh, there are, you're there. You're just not being obedient in church. So, um, but the only kind of test I like in school were open book. When the teacher said open book, I was like, oh, there's hope. You and I, the tests that we face today are open book. Abraham really wasn't. He didn't really have the word of God yet to, to, I mean, he was living the word of God. You and I have open book tests, and those tests will revolve around things that are important to you. When I was reading the word of God in my open book test one day, and God said, you're going to help start a church called Meadows, I was like, this is great, because I was already leaving a campus of almost a thousand people, and it was called the Meadows Campus, so I was like, oh my gosh. The campus is going to become a church. I'm going to be the pastor. Oh, wow, this is great. It's on the west side of town. I live on the west side of town. And then it was great until it wasn't. And none of that was happening. And it was like God was saying, okay, so it's like he was testing me. Like, do you, do you really feel called to plant a church? Will you plant it if it's not in your backyard? Will you plant it if there isn't 900 people? Will you plant it if you have to move from there and start with zero? And, 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 and when you plan, if your wife has to leave her job, if your kids have to leave their school and leave their friends, then are you going to plant it? And I was like, no, no, I'm kidding again. But I, in my thoughts, I'm like, that he was testing. He was testing to see if I was in. Because if you're not, you'll, you'll be dead in the water. I love this saying. I hope you remember this. If you don't hear anything else right now, God's going to test you to move you forward. The enemy will test you to move you back, or will tempt you to move you backward. Okay? I'll say it again. God tests you, but those tests are to move you forward. The enemy is going to tempt you, and those temptations always want he always wants you to go backward. That is so key that you catch that. Through testing from God, there are advantages. We already know He wants to grow us, He wants us to endure, He wants us to be more patient. That's what God wants. But if we're honest, if we had the choice. If we, could, if we could bypass our trials and our struggles, you know the ones that you're going through right now. If we could bypass those, we bypass them every time. I would. Why would I wish anything bad on myself? But, but let me ask you a question. Isn't it in the trials that you go through and I go through? Aren't those the times when, when like God, God gets a megaphone? Aren't those the time, those the times when the grace of God, like, like it's a platform? When, when, aren't those the times when movements truly move? See, a movement isn't a movement if it doesn't move. For this movement to happen, the one that I believe God wants to do, it's going to happen in and through you. But for that to happen, we have to move. Movements move. And by the way, your tests, don't, don't, don't let the enemy lie to you. He wants you to think that the test you're going through will never end. That's a lie. Your tests are temporary. They'll feel like they're eternal at times. They'll feel like they'll never end. I'm telling you, your tests are temporary. The goal at the end of the day isn't perfection. The goal is completion. To finish the race, to fight the fight, to not give up. 
This is the goal that God has for you. Not perfection, but to persevere. As I gathered with the leaders in Dallas um, on Monday, at first we got down to Rainbow Lake Cowboys in the draft, and you know, God didn't bless that. So um, we got. <laughs> Thank you. I hate you. What are we talking about? I need to be. So, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we can keep going here, but I have to focus here. So, um, so I'm, I'm praying with these, and these are leaders in our, in our district, of our church. These are, these are big time leaders. And we're, we're praying, and you know what's so exciting? We're asking, what is, what is, the, what is the goal? Is it multiplication of plant churches? Oh, yeah, we want that. Is it salvation, people coming to Christ? Of course, that's the goal. But how do we get there? And, and, and we really believe that when you pour into somebody and they, they know their purpose and they know why they exist and, and they start to live that out and they keep going, it, it just, those other things are a byproduct. So I'm like, now you're talking my language because they were talking about God-given purpose. And I'm like, yes, that's what we talk about. And then one of the pastors speaks up and he says, you know, before I had, uh, before I had this current gig, he's a district superintendent from the overseas churches, but he said before that, when he was pastoring, about a thousand people in Greeley, Colorado, a farmer came up to him one day after service. 70 years old, balling. And he said, what's going on? And the farmer was just, just as transparent as you could be. He said, I missed it. He goes, I'm 70 years old. And he had a regret that you couldn't even bow unless you were in the room watching him. And what he, what he started to unpack was the path that he was supposed to be going towards, where he should have, where he should have attacked and, and go, go, go. He bypassed it. He quit before he even started, he said. God told him early on in life, you're, you're called the full-time ministry to be a pastor. That's your calling. He chose comfort in what he knew in being a farmer. And now at the end of his life, he looks back and he's in tears. Grown man, reflecting on his life that he that he. He did not go towards the, his, the dream that God had given him. And if you want to see a sober, you want a sober conversation, those are it. Other than, other than being with somebody at the end of their life who don't know Christ, which is the worst thing in the world, the second worst thing is being with somebody at the end of their life, and they're looking at you and they wish they were done it differently. And they never did, because we always think you got tomorrow. He's 70 years old. Maybe he's burnt. I don't know. Maybe he just turned 70, and it just hit him. And, and my friend just said it was, just, it was the hardest thing he'd ever watched somebody talk about and speak through. Like you could, you could say, oh, you got your stuff. He does, they're, but they're limited. And he knows that. And I, so, and know this, I mean, that calling that he had, God has just a big, as big a calling on your life. The, the more God wants to use you, oh, I hope you hear this, the more God wants to use you, the more likely you'll be tempted to quit. But if you keep doing the right thing, if you keep going, if you keep stepping, doing the right thing day in and day out, week in and week out, I'm telling you, God will show up and God will show up. That's what he wants to do. But it's not up to God. It's not up to God. It's up to you and me. This is what people miss. God wanted to use that farmer. Not that he didn't use him in some capacities. I'm sure he did, but... We've got, to, we've got to keep going in the direction that God's given us. And that's key. So there's so much more coming on that given purpose that you're going to be hearing about over the next couple months. I can't wait. But that's for another time. So let's unpack the whole thing. Faith that moves. James 1. 
As I read this chapter over and over, praying to God, it was crazy because normally I would labor. And I'd be like, God, there's so many things I could preach on here for James 1. And you can't cover everything, so you got to go with something. It was so clear. But what was crazy is when you read James 1 this week, and that's, that's what I hope you will do, you know what you'll see? You'll see seven or eight main points that could be covered in a sermon or even a series. You can look at James 5. We can put, put it up and say, James 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask the generous God. Our generous God, you'll give it. Boy, that's a, that's a whole message. By the way, you got to read it in context. Because if you stop at James 5, that's not even true. He'll give it to you if, you're, if your faith is in him alone. If you're not, if you're not wavering between the world and, 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 and Christ. See, you can't expect the provision of God if you're not the will of God. And how many times do we do that? God, why are you blessing them? God, why is it all work out for them? Are you seeking God? Are you obeying his will? Do you, are you truly seeking him above all else? That's what that has to pertain to. But I'll tell you this. We can preach on wisdom, but all the wisdom in the world is worthless if you give up in the middle of it. There are a lot of wise people not living their purpose. I bet he was a wise farmer. I mean, so, so there's, there's five. Seventeen. This is another staple in James 1. Whatever good and perfect gift coming down is from God the Father. Everything good in your life is from God. Oh, that will preach. But here's the thing. I don't think God told me to preach that because all the gifts in the world from God, you'll never, you'll never realize all of them or even take full advantage of all of them if you give up. If you don't, if you don't, if they don't come into fruition, we can go to 19, two verses later. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Some of you, you might know this one. Every time I say that one, I, I always think, you know, God's talking to us specifically. Like, guys, I'll throw us under the bus. Be quick to listen. I think that that's more towards the guys. Now, be slow to speak. I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Slow to get angry, that's probably all speed. That would be all of us, especially as parents. But so, but you can be slow to speak and slow to get angry. If you're quick to give up, it doesn't matter. Widows and orphans, verse 27. True religion, James writes, true religion. It's false, fake, pharmaceutical religion, but true religion is taking care of widows and orphans in your distress. Oh, Thursday, we had a gathering with Family Priority Services who offered foster care, respite care, parent uh, visitation. Uh, so good. You know what they raved about? You. I, I was like, I was like, I didn't think, we're like, Meadows Church this, Meadows Church that, because we've done so much for them. I didn't think we did that much. But it's making an impact in their lives. It's, so it's crazy. So that would have been an easy one. It's right on the heels of that. We'll preach on that. But here's the thing. The, the widows and the orphans and the kids that need foster care and the families that need it, they don't need us in half-heartedly. They need us in for the long haul, for the full race, for the full... They need us in, all in. That's what they need. If we're going to give up in the middle of it, why start? We need to keep going. Say, keep going. I'm going to close. <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. I like it. I don't know who said that, but I love you. So, all right. So, okay. How did, how did we start? We started with James, the younger bro of Jesus, 
in James 1. Do you remember how James started his letter? If you don't, it's cool. This is a letter from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Calling himself a slave of his brother now. At this point, James could, I mean, Jesus had done big things now. James could have said, yo, this is James, brother of Jesus. He could have been name dropping. No, by the way, don't you hate when people like name drop? Like, like last week I was hanging out with Justin Bieber and I was like, Biebs, I just don't get it when people. <laughs> yeah, no, I so, he could have named off what he didn't, of a slave of Christ. You know, James didn't believe Jesus was anything special, like any of the brothers, for, for all, like James lived with Jesus. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. James is living with the word of God, hearing the word of God every day, and doesn't believe it. James might share rooms, have bunk beds with the living, live word of God, but not believe it. Do you know what changed for James? Seeing his brother dead and then alive. Which would change, yeah, which would change for a lot of us. If your dead brother come, you know, shows up at your baseball game, you're going to talk about it. Well, Paul wrote about it. Here's what Paul said. Oh, by the way, I can share this. Think about this for a second. Think how bad James missed it. Living with Jesus, hearing from Jesus, watching Jesus, eating with Jesus, and not believing a thing he says about him being this mighty miracle-working Messiah, son of God. Jesus, you're the son of Dad, Joseph, just like all of us. So shut up. That's what he thought. So here's the thing. Think about the scene of the cross. So at the cross, if you don't know, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he spoke some things. Well, you know one of the things he said? He, he was speaking to his mom, Mary, was there. And his, one of his best friends, one of his disciples, John, was there. James wasn't there. James was nowhere to be found. And this is kind of a sad statement, but maybe you've never thought about this. Jesus says to, to, to Mary, woman, and that wasn't derogatory, that's how they just spoke then. And he said, woman, behold your son. And she points to John. He's not her biological son. And then he says, John, behold your mother. So Jesus in that moment is saying, I'm going away. But John, I need you to take care of my mom. I need her to live with you, and you're going to love her and take care of all that. That should have been John. That should have been James. James should be the one taking care of his mother. Not, not somebody else. Where was James? But everything changed. The day that, that James saw his brother Jesus, big brother, alive in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Then he was seen. Jesus was seen by James. And then the other apostles. It's like Jesus says, I gotta go to James first. I gotta get to James first. He's, he, he, I, I, he's gotta know because I have a plan for him. I want to move through him. There's a movement that's going to happen through me and my bride called the church, and James is going to be the center. And he was. If you read the scripture, what you will learn is that the first church that was ever burned was in Jerusalem. Do you know who led it? Peter and James. Unbelieving eyewitness to Christ leading the church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed absolutely everything. And that leads me to the full point. You need to keep going and not give up. But as you keep going, like James did after he met Jesus, you have to keep growing. You can never stop. Growing people change. So to keep going and to keep growing is your marching orders. That's endurance. That means that you're not going to give up. You're going to run the race. You're going to finish the fight. And you're going to get the crown of life. 
and you have no idea what that looks like, but I promise you, it's unbelievable. Start, keep going and keep growing. And one of the major problems in the early church, and quite frankly still in the church, are people that declare Jesus, that believe in Jesus, but they don't live it out. That was a huge thing. You read the early churches, they're, they're, especially in James, calling it out all over the place. That's why James wrote what he wrote in verse 22. The last verse you're going to get fed for today by me. I hope you get fed more. But this will be the last one I'm going to give you. And this verse isn't just overarching for today. It's overarching for the next five weeks in our series. Don't just listen to God's word. You must, say must, do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. This is how people can come to church for 30 years and never be invested in the church because they're like, the church ain't changing me. The church may not be a problem. I listened to the word of God all my life growing up. I didn't change a whole lot spiritually. It wasn't the church's fault. I knew a lot of scripture. They fed me scripture on Tuesdays at church, Fridays at church. I went to Catholic grade school, Sundays at church. I was getting fed the word of God. God says you must do what it says, Monty. Oh, I just like the first part. You must do what it says. Faith in action. Church meadows. One of the reasons I think that God's hand is on our church is because there is a lot of action happening behind what's going on. Could there be more? Always there could be more. But I'm so excited for the movement that I think God has before us. But hearing the word isn't enough. Hearing my sermon isn't enough. People mistakenly think all the time, oh, my, that was a good sermon. And I went to a great Bible study. It wasn't, it's only good if you did something with it. It was only great if you acted on something. Otherwise, it was just words. It was infinitely nothing. It was an hour of your time, probably. Well, you probably forgot about the two minutes after you left. I don't say that. I'm not like, that was me. I know this because I've lived this all my life. I wrote this down. It's in the doing that brings the blessing. Not the hearing. Not the listening. But the doing. We have tons of Christians marking up Bibles. The Bible just has to mark them. That will not be Meadows Church. It's, as much as I can help it. I want to equip you. That's really my mantra. It's not mine. It's God's. Ephesians 4. My job is to equip you. Because you have a ministry. As soon as you say you, you are a saint and a minister, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have a ministry. doesn't mean it's paid vocational. might be. might not be. You have a God-given purpose. And you've got to, we have to stop living through somebody else and quoting other people. I don't mind sharing social media stuff, but why are you sharing and quoting other people or searching for all that when God wants to do it in you? When God wants to move in you, do what he says. It's not what you learn that's going to change your life in the word of God. It's what you do. It's not about how many scriptures you memorize. It's about how many scriptures you live off where you keep going and you keep growing and you don't give up. I'm not judging, but the 9 o'clock service clocked at that point. But whatever. I just did. So, but, but I hope this encourages you. It's the number one thing that Paul did as he wrote letters to the New Testament. He encouraged. Do you know why he encouraged 
Paul's churches in Galatia and Ephesus and Corinth. Do you know why? He didn't want them to give up. They were so messed up. Getting hammered in communion, sleeping with relatives. I, it was jacked up. He addressed those things, but you know what he addressed more? Keep going. Don't you give up. You should quit sleeping with that person too, but don't you give up. Who was going to give up? Who was going to give in? I got a text this week from a gal in the church. She said, I, I, I love the message so much last week. And, she, and, and, and that's great to hear, but if you know my heart, how you can really make my day, tell me what you did with it. It's all I care about. It is. I don't need to hear good, I, it's okay if you say it, but how you can really encourage me, this is what I did with it. And that's what she did. She's like, Monty, she's texting me. She said, when you talked about disciplining your kids, and I talked about disciplining Jake, and how I mess it up, and discipline with law instead of love, with rules instead of relationship, uh, guilt instead of grace. And she said, oh, I really do that because I'll discipline my kids and shake my finger and don't, don't, don't. And she said, well, she had an opportunity to live out the message before she even left the church building. Kids, good funny. So her child got in some trouble before they even left. And rather than disciplining the way that she was used to, she said, I took what you said. And, and I, used, I used grace. And what I did was I pointed it to the grace in God's word. And I said, oh my gosh, this is good. So she had to sit down and, and read the scriptures that she that were in the message last week. And she said he loved it. And it changed him and it changed her. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Two more people shared today about what they did. I love it. And, and when she did that with her son, she's putting a reminder in his life. Oh, when I, when I go through trouble, when I screw things up, when I make stupid decisions, I can go to a reminder of God's word. See, don't forget what God's done in the past. Sometimes you need a physical reminder. When we launched, we are going to launch the church. My church in Sioux Falls gathered me and my family up on the stage just like this. And they, they, it's called commissioning. And we did it with Pastor Casey in this church when he, when he planned a crossover in Bennington. And you commission a family. And you say, okay, you're commissioned to go out and, and, and lead this charge. And I was given this, or we were given this. So it's a lighthouse. And, and my pastor said, you're, you're going to be light in dark places. And, 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 I, and he didn't say this, but I, but I know God wanted us to know something. This is your physical reminder. This is your Ebenezer. You won't understand that unless you read Samuel. So you can do that too, and you'll know exactly what an Ebenezer is. But this is it. And Monty and Jody and kids, when things get tough and you want to you want to give up, Jody, when you want to kill your husband, you know, not just, but some, you know, whatever. So when, when, when you want to, you know, when people make you mad and people leave the church and never tell you why, and they'll talk about you behind your back and say things about you, it's not about that. The people aren't, people aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. You need a reminder to look out when you want to give up and give in. Keep going. Look at this reminder. Keep growing. Look at this reminder. I don't give a rip if one person's in the church or a hundred thousand is in the church. You're called to it. Keep going no matter what. That's what God wants you to know. Maybe you need to set up a physical reminder of what God has done for you in the past. So what I did for my court, the court team that moved their families from Sioux Falls, every one of the families got a little pewter train from me. And I, I asked Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I gave him the train, and the train, we, I said, we're, we're a freight train coming to Omaha. 
And, and that's what Meadows is still to this day. Either jump on or jump out of the way because we're not stopping. We've got kingdom come to take. We've got people to, people to love, people to serve, people to meet, families to change, kids to help, schools to adopt. That's what we're going to do. So they got this beautiful, and every time Pastor Monty takes them off, and he does, they look at the train, and they're like, okay, faithful is he who calls you. He'll make it happen. I came to tell somebody to keep going and keep growing. I also came to tell you that your Lord and Savior Jesus did both for you. If anybody should have and could have and, 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 and had the the every right to give up because he did nothing wrong, it would be him. But Jesus kept going to the cross to die. Only three days later to rise from the dead. This event, and you wrapping your head around it and selling out to it, can save you. Those six people that gave their lives to Christ last week. You know what they did? They said, I believe that the, the crucifixion of Jesus was real. I believe that through his death, my sins are covered if I ask God to forgive them. They're covered. They're taken away. They're gone. They're not just covered. That's not even the right word. They are gone. They are gone. And the resurrection, what that shows you is, oh my gosh, the brother of James, he's not just any brother. He's the son of God, the savior of the world. His father is God. Joseph, I'm sorry, we love you, but you're the stepdad in this case. Because God is the real dad. Understand something. When you sell out to what I just said, and you, how can I say this? Authentically. Say, Jesus, forgive me, make me new. And ask the Holy Spirit to enter into you. That happens. Watch last week's message. That gives you power and authority to speak. Not just to God, but to the enemy. God, I want that for you. I want to equip you. You want that, so sell out to that. If you want that in your life, if you want that power, if you want that salvation, if you want that surrender, let us know. We can pray a special prayer if you want, but I just explained the gospel to you. You are saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe in the death and resurrection. Call on the name of Jesus, ask him to forgive you and make you new. And allow the Holy Spirit to enter into you. Do that, and your life will change. Maybe not immediately today, but it will eventually, I guarantee you. Okay. I'm going to close differently. I'm going to allow you space to pray. You don't have to pray together. You can't if you're with your spouse or kids. You can't. But I want you to pray to God. Just in the quiet. 60 seconds, 90 seconds. It won't be long, and then we'll close in. Or a song, but I truly, and as you pray, I want you to ask God, God, where, where do I need to keep going? And how can I keep growing? Have I surrendered everything to you? Am I sold out to you? Ask him these questions. Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to answer. He wants to, he will, he'll feel nudging, he'll, he'll feel, he'll feel things. I promise you. I want to give you time with the Lord right now. You don't need to hear more from me. You need to hear from him. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, 
Share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.